Bismillahirrahmanirrahim wa bihi nasta'in wa sallallahu wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallam wa sallama tasliman kathira amma ba'du assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeking his divine aid seeking his assistance Whomsoever Allah Azza wa Jalla guides, none can misguide. And whomsoever Allah Azza wa Jalla misguides, none can guide. I bear witness that none is right to be worshipped except Allah Azza wa Jalla alone without any partner. And I testify that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his final prophet and messenger. As for proceed, we praise Allah subhanahu wa taala for gathering us once again in a house amongst His houses for His sake. And we only come together, insha Allah, to increase in al-iman. And the best way. We can increase in our faith is by way of seeking beneficial knowledge, and the source of all beneficial knowledge, it is the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And so we've come together for this purpose to increase our faith. Like Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu anhu, used to say, "Taala, nu'minu sa'atan nazdadu imanan." He used to say to his companions, "Let us come together." Let us increase in our faith by discussing matters of al-iman. And so, as we know, we are studying the book called Al-Durus Al-Muhimma, Li'amati Al-Ummah, Important Lessons for the General Ummah, a book authored by the eminent scholar of his time, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz, rahimahullah taala. And in this work, he has compiled the important aspects which is binding upon each and every single Muslim to know. And the first part of the book, it deals with the tafsir of the often read surahs. The tafsir of the often read surahs, the surahs which we read on a daily basis. And some of us have been reading the surahs for many years, but we have not attained understanding of its meanings. So Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Bazi gives a guideline for the first part of the book, and he says the first. Step is to recite these surahs correctly. Now, due to lack of time, we can't focus on the correct pronunciation and recitation of the surah. But we do have a recitation class on offer, which runs simultaneously with this class. Taib. He says, secondly, it is to understand the meanings contained in these verses of the short surah. Number three, to contemplate its meanings. And of course, to put it into practice, and this was the true methodology of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When they used to study the Book of Allah, it was said that they would not complete ten ayat up until they learned what knowledge was contained in these ten ayat. They would gain understanding the fiqh of the ayat, and they would then implement it, and then they would move on to the next ten ayat. And this was the methodology of the Sahaba radiallahu taala anhum, and this is preferred. And for this reason, the Sahaba said that when a person from amongst us memorized Surah Al-Baqarah, Jalla fi Aayunina, he was seen to be great and honored in our sight. So why was he deemed to be honored? Because whatever he memorized of Surah Al-Baqarah. 286 verses or 284 verses, he implemented it, and this is the methodology of the Sahaba. So we can make a small start, inshallah, with the often read surahs which we read on a daily basis, that we understand its meanings and we implement it biiddina, because this is the true goal of the revelation of the Wahi. As Allah says, "Afalayat adabaroon al-Quran am ala qulubin aqfaluha." Do they not contemplate the meanings of the Quran, or has Allah Azza wa Jalla placed a lock over their hearts? So we hear these admonishments, and we hear these encouragement, which comes in the book of Allah Azza wa Jalla, but few are those who take heed. So this is the goal behind the explanation of the short surah Bidilah. So last week we stopped on the tafsir of Surah Al-Humaza. The surah which follows Surah Al-Humaza, it is Surah Al-Fil, and we translate this as the chapter pertaining to the elephant. 
And this is a well-known story which comes up in the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed an entire surah discussing this event. And this event, after it took place, it became known as Amul Fil. It became known as the year of the elephant. Because the Arabs, they used to give titles to the years based upon important events which had transpired during that year. So this year became known as Amul Fil. And what makes this year a historic and special year? Somebody died, I think. Somebody died. Mm-hmm. Which one? Somebody died or the Prophet was born? The Prophet was born during Amul Fil. And the scholars mention that the destruction of Abraha al-Ashram and his confederates this was a clear irha sort of the Prophet and this was a miracle that Allah Azza wa Jal was going to send a Prophet. So Allah Azza wa Jal opened the surah بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألم ترى كيف فعل ربك بأصحاب الفيل ألم يجعل كيدهم في تضليل وأرسل عليهم طيرا أبابيل ترميهم بحجارة من سجيل so Allah says, Have you not seen how your Lord dealt with the companions of the elephant? Did he not make their plot go astray? And sent against them birds in flocks, striking them with stones of sijil. Sijil, as we will see, it means bait clay. And made them like an empty field of stalks. So this chapter is called the chapter of the elephant because it begins by introducing the story of the elephant. And what is the relationship between this surah and the previous surah? Because most surahs, they have a connection. And the relationship between surah al-humaza and surah al-fil is that Allah Azza wa Jal, He dispraises those, those who mess and, and, and constantly count their wealth. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He dispraises the people who are boastful and arrogant. And the connection with Surah Al-Fil and Surah Al-Humaza is that in Surah Al-Humaza, Allah Azza wa Jal shows us the insignificance of wealth. So in Surah Al-Humaza, Allah spoke about those who amass their wealth. And they amass their wealth, why? Because they think their wealth will give them eternity. As we mentioned, either by way of them living a lengthy life or by way of their mention after their death. Because they attach status and power to wealth. But in Surah Al-Fil, Allah Azawajal shows us the insignificance of wealth and the insignificance of power. So the meaning of its words Allah says, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil. Allah says, Alam tara. And this means, have you not seen? Tara means to see. But they translate it as, did you not know? Did you not know? Because it can also contain this meaning. And this, which is given, it is to who? Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil. Did you not know? what your Rabb did with the companions of the elephant. So who is this addressed to? Quraysh? Hmm? It's open, it's not saying it's tafsir. The address to the Quraysh, now the address is given to the Prophet also. Because it's second person. Alam tara yani anta. Did you not see, O Messenger, what your Rabb did with the companions of the elephant? Taib. And even though the Prophet was not alive during this happening and occurrence, he saw the remnants and effects of it. Because the story was still fresh in the minds of the people who lived in that time. So it was something which was narrated. The meaning of Ashab al-Fil, it is Abrahatul Ashram, who was the governor of Yemen. 
and he was under the kingship of the ruler of Abyssinia in his time and the ruler of Abyssinia was always known as Al-Najashi right Al-Najashi we know there's a famous Al-Najashi who gave shelter to the early migrants or the early immigrants who migrated the first time from Mecca to Abyssinia and that Al-Najashi he became a Muslim as for this Al-Najashi it is a different emperor and Abrahatul Ashram was under his rule and so Ashabul Fil was Abrahatul Ashram and 13 elephants that was in his entourage the largest of them which was called Mahmud right the largest elephant which they had in the entourage was called Mahmud and Mahmud means the one who is praised right the one who is praised Taib. so Abraha was the ruler of Ethiopia and under his governance we said there was Abrahatul Ashram was like a governor of the state and Allah said Alam yaja'al kaydahum Alam yaja'al kaydahum means did you not see what we, do to, what we did to the kaid did we not make the kaid what does a kaid mean kaf yadal kaid means they're plotting and they're planning because this was not something which happened haphazardly they plotted it they planned it and surely they wanted to execute it like Allah says innahum yakiduna kayda wa akidu kayda Allah says indeed they are plotting wa akidu kayda and I am plotting and planning right so kayd means plot and your side note is is Kaid because Allah says Akidu Kaida is Kaid is it a name from amongst the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do we believe that Allah Azza wa Jal plots and plans because Allah says innahum yakiduna kaida wa akidu kaida and I am plotting and planning so is yani Kaid a name from amongst the names of Allah Azza wa Jal it's an advanced question or you just like to get an idea the answer is no because plotting it doesn't carry a a beautiful meaning type plotting doesn't carry a beautiful meaning so we don't say Allah Azza is Al-Qaid meaning the one who plots but rather this attribute of Allah Azza it is affirmed in opposition to something so they plotting Allah plots because if Allah Azawajal did not plot, it shows a type of deficiency. So they plotting, we affirm in this specific instance that Allah Azawajal also has this attribute of plotting. Taib. So Kaid means to plot. And they were plotting and planning to do what? To destroy the Kaaba. Naam. Allah then says, Alam yaja'al kaidaum fi tadlil. And tadlil comes from the word dalala. Kullu bid'atin. Dalala. Every innovation is a misguidance. Tadlil means also yeah, that Allah Azza wa Jal made their plan go astray. Because a dalala is something which causes a person to go astray and move far from the truth. So Allah Azza wa Jal says that He caused their plan to fall, for, to fail, and He destroyed them. Tayran Ababil. Tayran Ababil. Tayran is a name given to anything which flies in the sky any type of animal which flies in the sky then in the Arabic language they use the word Tayr they use the word Tayr so it is used to refer to anything that flies in the air be it big or small and in the context of the surah it was small birds right swallows it was small birds Ababil means in groups and in flocks Ka'asfi ma'kul means like the leaves of crops that have been eaten by animals and trampled under their feet. So this is the meaning of the surah linguistically. Some of the meanings of the words. So the meaning of the surah in general we said it goes back to Amul Fil. The year wherein the Prophet was born. And we said 
the Arabs used to title the years after important events. So, before the birth of the Prophet Abrahatul Ashram, the governor of Yemen at the time, served under the rule of the king of Habasha. Habasha is Ethiopia. And Abraha had an idea to build a house in Son'a. Abraha had an idea to build a house in Son'a. Son'a, Yemen, the war-torn country today. It was once a center of authority and power. And so his objective was to build a place of worship in Son'a, Yemen. To divert the people's attention away from the Kaaba. And this was a huge place of worship that he built. And the main reason he wanted to achieve this was that people would change the trade routes. Right? As we know the Arabs, Rihlat al-Shita, he was safe. That they used to travel in winter and in summer to various trade routes. So the route to Makkah was the main trade route at the time. And Abraha wanted to divert the trade route. So we can see it comes down to what? Greed and love of power and authority and wealth. And so the Ethiopian <coughs> king agreed that Abraha should build this church and it was called Al-Kulais and no structure was comparable to it. There was no structure that was like it in its nature which came before it or after it. And one day a man from amongst the Quraysh, he became angry when he heard about the building of this church. Because we know Allah Azza wa Jal honored the Arabs. And they were honored because the Kaaba was yani, amongst them. So they had this they had this hero, this jealousy. And they didn't want people to be diverted from it. And so this man from amongst the Quraysh, he went to Sana in Yemen and he defecated in the Quraysh, in the church which was built by Abraha, and he desecrated it. Some narrations mention that he wiped the walls of the church with his feces. And of course this angered Abraha. And when he saw what had happened, he grew furious and he prepared a large army to attack Makkah and to destroy the Kaaba. And with him he had 13 elephants, because at that time there was no army that possessed elephants, except this army. We said the largest of these elephants was called Mahmoud. And as they were going to Makkah, they destroyed any tribe from amongst the Arabs, which showed any form of resistance. Until finally they reached a place close, close to Makkah. And on their way they took wealth from many tribes, and they took some of the wealth of Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib was the grandfather of the Prophet And so Abdul Muttalib went out to meet Abraha and he negotiated with him. And Abraha took some of his camels, he managed to retrieve his camels and he left the rest to Allah Azza wa Now despite the fact that Abu Muttalib was a mushrik, the books of Sirah mention that his thoughts was that this is Baytullah. This is the honored house of Allah Azza wa And Allah Azza wa will surely protect it. So he did not prepare any army to resist the onslaught. And so he informed the people of Makkah to move to the outskirts and to seek yani shelter. And as they reached a nearby valley, Allah Azza wa sent upon them small birds. Small birds, we said, in large groups with baked clay in their beaks. And they say this clay which was showered upon this army, it was not larger than a chickpea or lentils. So here this mighty powerful army is marching forth. And they are prepared and everybody fears them. But Allah Azza wa He destroyed this army with something as insignificant as a bird. I mean, you can catch a bird, what harm can a bird do to you? You can pluck the feathers, you can perhaps pull the bird apart. And here Allah Azza wa is using a tiny creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destroy this mighty army. And in this alone is a lesson. And the lesson is, is that Allah Azza wa is the one who causes benefit 
and he is the one who causes harm. And this is a powerful lesson of tawakkul. That when we want to achieve things, we don't look at the means. But Allah Azza wa Jalla has legislated for us to take the means. But we don't believe in the means. We don't place our reliance upon the means. Our reliance is upon Allah Azza wa Jal. But Allah Azza wa Jal's sunnah, his legislated way, is that he has created means. But the means cannot benefit in and of itself. So here they prepare this mighty army to destroy Makkah and to trample the Kaaba. But Allah Azza wa Jal destroyed them with tiny birds, with baked clay, which they had in their beaks. And they showered this clay upon Abraha and his army. And it is said that when these pebbles fell upon Abraha and his army, it pulled the flesh from their bodies and off their bones. SubhanAllah. And this is an important lesson once again, that today we look at many superpowers in the world, such as the Gharb, the West, such as Russia. And we speak about their military might. And we think, how can the Muslims face these nations in battle? The reality is that Allah Azza wa Jal, that He is able and He has power over absolutely everything. So we don't look at the means, but we look at the creator of the means. And this is the story of yani, Abrahatul Ashram and his elephants, which is mentioned in great detail in the books of Sirah. So what can we benefit from these verses? The first benefit we derive from this is Allah's messenger is consoled in the surah for the harm inflicted on him by the Quraysh. So Allah says, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil. O Muhammad also have we not seen how your Rabb has done with the companions of the field? And the companions of the field they were greater in military might and they were greater in wealth than the Quraysh. So Allah is reminding the Prophet that whatever harm was inflicted upon you by the Quraysh, there was greater people and nations before them that was destroyed by Allah Azza wa Jal. Number two, Allah Azza wa Jal reminds the Quraysh of what he, the Almighty, did with Abraha and his army to instill fear into them. So Allah is consoling the Prophet, but at the same time he also addressing the Quraysh who thought they had power and authority that if you transgress and you fail to submit to Allah Azza wa Jal, this will be your outcome. Number three, we should appreciate Allah Azza wa Jal's all-powerful abilities and we should learn a lesson after learning of how Allah Azza wa Jal destroyed his enemies. And this is what we mentioned early on, is that we look at the military might of nations and they place their trust in their means. But the means in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal does not mean anything. Number four, Allah Azza wa Jal protects his house from the enemies of his religion. That this is Allah Azza wa Jal's honored house. And just like Abdul Muttalib, who was a mushrik, he believed that this was Baytullah. And Allah Azza wa Jal would protect his house. So he left it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fifthly, the occurrence had serious effects on the events to take place afterwards. The year it took place was the year 580. And it was called the year of the elephant and it is the year wherein the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, was born and this in summary is a short explanation of Suratul Fil a short explanation of Suratul Fil the next surah which comes up perhaps somebody can troubleshoot it the next surah which comes up which surah comes after Suratul Fil I have a doubt in front of me, so I know. <coughs> what surah comes after Surah Al-Fil? Surah Al-Quraysh. Li'ila fi Quraysh. Naam, li'ila fi Quraysh. So Allah Azrael says, Ba'da an a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Li'ila fi Quraysh. Ila fihim rihlata shita'i wa sayf. فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفٍ Allah says, 
لإيلافي كوريش for the protection of Quraysh إيلافيهم رحلة الشتاء والصيف the caravan set forth safe in winter and in summer فليعبدوا رب هذا البيت so worship the رب the lord of this house الذي أطعمهم من جوع the one who fed them and protected them from hunger وآمنهم من خوف and protected them from fear so many scholars in fact some of the sahaba they said that surah al-fil and surah al-quraish has a powerful connection to such an extent that ubay ibn kaab was considered one of the hufad of the companions he used to read through these two surahs without the baswala and he used to believe that these two surahs it is connected Taib, these two surahs are connected however the fact that in the mushaf it is written with the basmana shows that the majority opinion is that there are two separate surahs so what is the connection between surah al-fil and surah al-quraish because allah opens up the verse and he says li'ila fi quraish for the coming together of the quraish or for the protection of the quraish so what does this mean it means if we go back to Surah Al-Fil, it means Allah Azza wa Jal protected the Quraysh. So for the protection of the Quraysh, we destroyed Abrahat Al-Ashram and his confederates. Why? To protect the trade routes of the people of Makkah. Taib. So Allah says, Li'ila fi Quraysh. For the protection of the Quraysh and for the coming together of the Quraysh. Allah says إِلَى فِيهِمْ رِحْلَةَ الشِّتَاءِ وَالصَّيْفِ That the caravans set forth safe in winter and safe in summer. Then Allah says فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Worship the Rabb of this bait الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُ مِنْ جُوءٍ وَآمَنَهُ مِنْ خَوْفٍ So the virtues of the surah Ibn Kathir ta'ala, He brings a weak narration speaking about the virtues of the surah and he says Allah Quraishan bi sab'i khilalin he says that Allah Azza wa Jal gave seven virtues to the Quraysh which he gave none other we mentioned this hadith as Ibn Kathir has mentioned it is a gharib, it is a strange narration but the one he saw that he mentions is wa inna Allah anzala fihim suratan min al-Quran that Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed with regard to the people of Quraysh a surah in the Quran however this is a gharib narration so in what context was this surah revealed it was revealed about the Quraysh it was revealed about the Quraysh the meaning of its words we said Allah opens it up with li'ila fi Quraysh and li'ila fi Quraysh means it could mean the coming together of the Quraysh the coming of together of the Quraysh for a common goal and purpose or for the security of the Quraysh Allah says Quraysh and the Quraysh is the name of an Arab tribe which are descendants of another Ibn Kinana another Ibn Kinana if you study the lineage of the Prophet it was his great great grandfather another Ibn Kinana and all of the Quraysh stem from his lineage Rihla. Who knows what the meaning of Rihla is? I'm looking at the Arabic students. Rihla means a journey. Right? Rihla means a journey or the setting off to travel. Taib. Ato'amahum means Allah Azawajal has given them a comfortable amount of sustenance. And the way to acquiring the sustenance is made easy for them. So that's the meaning of at'amahum, minju'in. Allah Azawajal has given them a comfortable amount of sustenance and He's also made it easy for them to acquire their sustenance. Amanahum, kept them safe from external transgression as well as internal transgression from those who desire to wrongfully take their wealth. So this we see the connection with Suratul Fil, Allah protected the trade routes 
of the Quraysh. So we mentioned that many scholars of Tafsir said the beginning of the surah is grammatically connected to Surah Al-Fil. How so? Li'ilafi Quraysh. For the security of the Quraysh, we destroyed Abrahatul Ashram and those who wanted to harm the people of Makkah. So we dealt in the way we did with the companions of the elephant for the sake of the Quraysh, for their safety and for their welfare, and for their trade and profit so that they could make the winter journey to Yemen and the summer journey to Asham. So traditionally, the Arabs, the Quraysh, they had two times wherein they traveled, as Allah mentions in this verse, or in the surah. Rihlatu Shita was to Yemen, and Rihlatu Saif was to Sham, and Sham is the Levant, Syria, Jordan, Palestine, those areas. Allah Azzawajal destroyed those who intended to do evil to the Quraysh while he raised the status of the inviolable city of Makkah and its inhabitants. And so, after this event of Amul Fil, the Quraysh became feared. They became feared by the Arabs and the nations that surrounded the Arabian Peninsula. Why? Because they experienced the outcome of Abraha, and they surely knew that if they were to attack the Quraysh, then they anticipated a similar destruction. So for this reason, their trade routes were always safe, and no one ever tried to jeopardize the trade routes. And this is why Allah Azawajal then commanded and ordered them to be grateful. So Allah Azawajal says for the security of the Quraysh and for the security of the caravans in Shita and Saif in winter and summer, yani we granted them the safety. So Allah Azawajal bestowed this ni'mah, this bounty upon them. And so whenever Allah Azawajal bestows a bounty upon us, and a bounty is either a blessing we experience or a harm which is averted from us. What is the necessary requirement of a bounty? What reaction does a bounty call upon? A shukr. It calls upon gratitude. And here we see the connection between the Lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fact that Allah Azawajal is the Supreme Rabb, that He subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Supreme Rabb and His divine right to be worshipped. Because the one who provides and sustains and the one who provides safety, logically, that deity is the one who is deserved of being worshipped. So here we see the connection between Lordship and Allah Azawajal's divine right to be worshipped. Right, as we know, Tawheed al-Rububiyyah and Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. The fact that Allah provides and He sustains and He grants us safety and security, that necessitates that He is worshipped. So for this reason, Allah then says, فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ And this فَلْيَعْبُدُوا It comes in the form of a command. It comes in the form of a command. It should have been, يعني, but because it is a command and the lamb is attached to the word, the noon is omitted. So for what we benefit from this is the command. Allah gives this command to the Quraysh. So worship the Rabb of this bait because he has granted you your provisions and he has provided you with safety. And Allah said, worship the Rabb of this bait. Why did Allah mention specifically هذا bait? Because Allah Azza wa Jal, He is the sovereign and He is the owner of absolutely everything. في السماوات والأرض But Allah said, worship the Rabb of this bait. Hmm? That idols in the Kaaba. Allah will give you the command to worship the Rabb of the Bait. Hmm? They do not worship the idols. Now this 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 is a command to to Yani to turn to Allah into Tawheed and to abstain from shirk. 
But yeah, Allah specifically mentioned Al-Bayt To give it honor To give the Bayt honor And for this reason When we say Baytullahi Of course, we, as Muslims we don't believe that this is the physical house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But why did Allah Azzawajal attach his name to the Bayt? This type of idafa, this type of connection is called idafa to tashrif. It is the connection of honor. So when Allah attaches his name to a creation, it is to give that creation honor. For if the Kaaba was simply to be called al-bayt, the house, it wouldn't have been honored. But the fact that Allah Azzawajal attaches his name to it, it gives it reverence and it gives it honor. Baytullahi. Taib. Just like Allah said, Naqatullahi wa This is also idafa to tashrif The connection of honor Doesn't mean that this yani camel Was Allah Azawajal's physical camel But Allah attached his name to this camel To give it honor And for the creation to venerate it So Allah said فَلْيَعْبُدُوا رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ So let them worship him Making that worship pure And sincerely for him الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خوف. The one who gave them abundance in their provisions And made their avenues of risk easy for them And he protected them from fear And here the scholars mention that life It revolves around these two basic matters It revolves around your sustenance And it revolves around safety When you eat well Right? You feel comfortable, correct? And when you have safety, you also feel at ease. Why do we work? We work to put food on the table. What happens if it's difficult for us to go to work? It's a strike. People are looting. We can't make, make our way to work. How does it make us feel? It feels like our sustenance is being jeopardized. So life revolves around these two basic principles Sustaining ourselves and being safe and secure And this meaning is relayed in the hadith of the Prophet For the Prophet said, and this is a powerful reminder He said, من أصبح آمنا في سربه معافا في بدنه إنده كوت يومه وليله the Prophet said, whoever wakes up in the morning, that he is safe in his dwelling, and he is safe in his home. And he has afia in terms of his body, meaning he has no ailments, and he has no koala, right, he's healthy. And he has enough provisions for that particular day The Prophet says Then it is as if he has gained the entire world If this person He owns and he has gained the entire world And this is something that we cannot understand Up until we are Faced with these adversities When we are trial with regards to our health Because health is a crown Which is worn on the healthy person's head Which only the sick can see Right? Health Is a crown Which is worn On a person who is in a state of afia A healthy person's head Which only the sick can see As he said Ni'matun idha fuqidat urifat That when a bounty is lost The true Status Of that bounty becomes known So only once we are afflicted with regards to our health, will we recognize the virtue and the bounty of health? So the Prophet says, whoever wakes up and he's safe in his home and he has afia in his body and he has enough provisions for that day and night. And many of us have provisions, mashallah, for the next week or for the next two weeks or for the next three weeks or some of us, mashallah, in a position to do the monthly shopping. So you feel safe. The Prophet said it's as if this person has gained the entire world. 
And so here we see that Allah says, الَّذِي أَطْعَمَهُ مِنْ جُوءٍ وَعَامَنَهُ مِنْ خَوْفٍ The one who has fed them against hunger. And he has made them safe from fear. That life revolves around these two principles. Provisions and safety. Provisions and safety. Ibn Kathir said, regarding the command of Allah Azza wa Jal, that whoever answers this command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Azza wa Jal will give him both safety in this world and in the year after. And whoever disobeys Allah, then Allah Azza wa Jal will take it away from him in both worlds, as Allah Azza wa Jal says. So fulfilling the purpose for which we have been created, this ensures that this bounty stays with us and Allah Azza wa Jal increases us in this bounty. But if you are deficient in the purpose for which Allah Azza wa Jal has created us, then this will mean that we will find deficiency in our provisions and we'll find deficiency in our safety. And then Ibn Kathir quoted the verse in Surah An-Nahl, verse 112 to 130, where he said, وَلَقَدْ جَاءَهُمْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَكَذَّبُوهُ فَأَخَذَهُمُ الْعَذَابُ وَهُمْ ظَالِمُونَ So listen to the meaning of this verse, Surah Al-Nahl, verse 112-113. Allah says, Allah puts forward a parable, an example of a town, Qaryatan, and this town which is mentioned is Makkah. That dwelt secure and well and content. The people of Makkah, they were secure, and they were well and they were content the Quraysh. It's provision coming to it in abundance from every place. Taib, the people traveled to Makkah and they used to trade with the people of Makkah. But its people denied the favors of Allah Azzawajal with ungratefulness. They rejected the favors of Allah Azzawajal by showing ungratefulness. So Allah made it taste the extreme hunger, famine and fear because of that which they used to do and verily they had come to them a messenger Muhammad from among themselves but they denied him so the torment overtook them whilst they were wrongdoers and so this is the lesson that whomsoever adheres to the command of Allah Allah will give him safety and Allah will give him provision like he gave the Quraysh but they rejected the favors of Allah and Allah Azawajal then took this away from them. So what we can benefit from these verses, firstly, and this is the goal behind going over these surahs where one contemplates the meanings found in the surah, one appreciates Allah Azawajal's wisdom and mercy and Allah Azawajal's planning and how perfect He is, the all-wise, the most merciful. That Allah Azawajal has connected things to its cause that if you worship Allah Azawajal your provision will come to you easily if you are a person of Tawheed Allah Azawajal will protect you number two Allah Azawajal relates his favors on the Quraysh the destruction of the enemies preventing those enemies from entering Makkah and providing them safety and giving them abundant provisions all of which require gratitude and Gratitude should be shown in relation to that bounty. So the greater the bounty, the more we must show gratitude. And gratitude, shukr, becomes manifest firstly in the heart. Whatever bounty you have, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we affirm that this is a bounty from Allah Azza wa Jal and it's not as a result of my own striving. So we affirm this in our heart. Secondly, this bounty, we must show gratitude to Allah Azza wa Jal for it upon our tongues. As for the bounties of your Lord, then speak about it. So, praise Allah, Alhamdulillah, Masha Allah, La Quwata Illa Billah. 
say the required du'as for example when you eat alhamdulillahilladhi ata'amani hadha wa razaqani min ghayri hawli minni wa la quwa when you get rest alhamdulillahilladhi kasani hadha thawba wa razaqanihi min ghayri hawli minni wa la quwa remind yourself that these are favors of Allah and give gratitude to him by way of the tongue and also gratitude must be shown on the limbs so this means whatever bounty we have we don't use it at the expense of the displeasure of Allah Azza wa Jal and whoever combines between these three levels of gratitude this person is indeed a shakir he is one who is truly grateful to Allah Azza wa Jal number three it is compulsory to worship Allah Azza wa Jal alone and to leave the worship of anyone other than him whether it be a saint whether it be a prophet whether it be a stone Worship Allah Azza wa Jal alone and do not ascribe anything with him in worship. And shay is nakira. Shay is indefinite in the context of a prohibition. And so it is general. Absolutely anything. Number four, we must be thankful for Allah's blessings by praising him and by using his favors in a way which pleases him. And number five, life revolves around two basic needs and that is food to protect one from hunger and safety from fear safety from fear and that is we'll say the the short explanation of suratul quraish right a very very short surah but when we contemplate its meanings the entire book of allah is profound but these short surahs they are very very profound in the meaning. Taib. The next surah which comes up, which will be the last surah we'll be covering this evening, it is Suratul Ma'un. Suratul Ma'un. And Suratul Ma'un has also been titled Suratul Deen. Because Allah opens the surah and He says, Ara'ayta alladhi yukadhibu bid-deen. Right? Have you seen the one who belies? Ad-Din. So for this reason, another title given to the surah is Surah Ad-Din. So Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, بَعْدَ أَنْ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ أَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينِ فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي يَدُعُ الْيَتِيمِ وَلَا يَحُدُّ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينِ فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ يُرَاؤُونَ وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَاعُونَ So firstly the name of the surah. It is called Surah Al-Ma'un because at the end of it Allah Azza wa Jal condemned the one who does Al-Ma'un. And the meaning of Al-Ma'un is the one who withholds. Right? The one who withholds. And another title given to the surah, we said it is Surah Al-Din. Because at the beginning of the surah, Allah Azza wa Jal reproaches those who belay Yawmuddin. Right? Allah Azza wa Jal says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmuddin. So for those who attended in the beginning with Sheikh Yasin, what does Yawmuddin mean? Qiyamah. Yawmuddin is Yawmul Jaza. Right? Yawmul Jaza, the day of recompense. Right? And from amongst the names of Allah Azza wa Jal is also Ad-Dayyan. The one who recompenses. The one who recompenses. Whatever good you did, Allah will recompensate you. And whatever evil you did, Allah Azza wa Jal will punish you accordingly. So, Yukadhibu Bid-Deen he belies, yani the year after and the account. So for this reason, some scholars say it is Surah Al-Din. So the connection between Al-Surah Al-Ma'un and that which came before it is in the last surah Allah reminds the Quraysh of one of his many favors. That he has fed them from hunger and he has kept them safe and secure. And here Allah Azza wa Jal then reproaches the Ma'un. So Allah speaks about his bounties upon us 
as a creation and specifically the Quraysh and then yeah Allah rebukes the one who withholds Al-Ma'un is the one who withholds and does not spend, he does not give charity nor does he encourage others with charity Taib. Another relationship between this surah and the one which came before this is Allah ordered the Quraysh to worship Allah alone and here in this surah Allah censures the one who does not pray in the manner which Allah commanded us to pray Right, so wail we said means either wadi, it's a, a valley in Jannah, or it means a great punishment. So Allah says here, فَوَيْلُ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ That's a valley in Jannah and a great punishment for those who pray. But we'll get into what this means. So Allah speaks about general worship and in this surah he speaks about specific worship. And number three, showing us a relationship between this surah and the previous surah. Allah Azawajal mentioned that despite his many favors on the Quraysh, they still disbelieved in both the resurrection and the recompense. And here Allah Azawajal follows up by warning and threatening them with punishment. So Allah Azawajal opens up the surah and he says, Ara'ita. And Ara'ita means, once again, just like Allah said, Alam Tara, did you not see? But it also means, did you not know? So Allah says, Ara'ayta, did you know? And this is asked in a way to attract attention to the one who received this message. So Ara'ayta, did you know? It means literally, did you see? But it can also mean, did you know? And this is to attract attention to the one who received this message. Ara'ayta alladhi yukadhibu biddeen. Yukadhibu means to be lie and to reject. So what do they reject? Biddin. And when we hear the surah, we might hear the word deen and we'll think it is religion. But deen here it means recompense. It means accountability in the year after. And this is one of the names of the day of Al Qiyamah. Right? Yawmuddin. Alladhi yadu'ul yatim. The one who violently pushes away the orphan, viciously repelling him and taking away his rights. So the one who is harsh towards the orphans, viciously repelling him and usurps his rights. And this happens. We have happenings like this in the Muslim community. That when it comes to inheritance and the person is orphaned, the person his rights get taken away and he also gets shunned type so this quality even though it relates to a kafir it relates to a kafir the lesson that is taken from this is not in relation to the specific reason behind the revelation but rather it is the generality of the message so this is the attribute of the one who is heedless of accountability because the one who is heedless of accountability is the one who will yani, usurp the rights of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا يَحُدُّ عَلَىٰ طُعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ And this means he neither encourages himself or others to feed the poor. Subhanallah. That if you can't afford to feed the poor, you must at least have a desire to feed the poor. Taib. So he neither encourages himself to feed the poor, nor does he yani, encourage others. Allah says for this person فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ Right? فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ Ultimate ignominy Which means, we said Kalima to wail means It's either a valley in Jahannam Or a grievous and tormentful punishment For those who delay their prayers فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ From the stated and fixed times عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ that those that delay their prayers from the fixed times. Those who pray, and when they pray, they do the prayer for the sake of riyah. Yura'un, riyah comes from that word. So when they stand up for prayer, they only pray to impress the people. 
ويمنعون الماعون and it means that they restrict helping the people with regard to small matters so the people ask copy cycle you have two kg sugar at home you say we don't have right or the person asks for something simple the ma'un is the one who yani does not help people at all even with regards to the small matters so the meaning in summary of the surah the surah discusses two kinds of people Firstly, the disbeliever who refuses to even acknowledge Allah Azawajal's favors and who disbelieves in the day of judgment when deeds will be judged and just recompense will be given. Have you seen the one who yani, he rejects and he belies the day of accountability? And the one who rejects accountability naturally he will act in a vain manner. Naturally, he will act in an unjust manner. And he will be deemed a criminal. Why? Because there is no sense of accountability. And for this reason, we find that a lot of oppression and corruption, which is evident today in our society and all over the world, what does it come down to? Ignorance, greed. I gave the answer. It comes down to rejecting accountability in the akhirah. Because for the one who is mindful of Allah Azza wa Jal and is mindful of the akhirah, naturally he is one who will watch his actions. For this reason, the Prophet saw him in many a hadith. He linked good deeds to belief in the last day the prophet said man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhiri falyakul khayran aw liyasbut whomsoever believes in Allah azza wa jal and the year after let him say something good or let him remain silent another narration the prophet said man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhiri falyukrim jara another narration falyukrim daifa if whoever believes in Allah Azawajal and the last day, let him honor his guests. So the Prophet he connected good deeds to belief in the last day. Because the one who is conscious of the day of accountability, he will be eager to do good deeds and he'll also be eager to abstain from evil deeds because he has a sense of accountability. So this is <coughs> The first category of people that the surah discusses. The second category of people where Allah mentions, Allah says, Woe to those who pray. And this specifically relates to the munafiqeen. Right? The one who does deeds for the sake of being seen by the people. He only prays, yani, Amongst the believers, so that he can be safe from their reproach and safe, yani, from their harm and to gain a benefit from the Muslims. So, this is the only reason he prays. He doesn't pray from the very foundation for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, of course, is a form of major shirk. He's not praying for the sake of Allah, he's only praying to be seen. So, this is the first category of people. Who enters into this verse? lil musallin, right? So woe to those who pray. Alladinahum an salatim sahur. Firstly, the munafiqin. Secondly, it can also refer to the people who are Muslim, but they are unmindful of their prayer. How so? They don't pray the salah in its fixed times. In fact, there's one narration wherein the Prophet also mentioned Tilka Salatul Munafiq Tilka Salatul Munafiq Tilka Salatul Munafiq That this is the Salah of the Munafiq and he repeated this thrice. He said, Yajlisu Yarkubu Shamsa He sits and he's watching the sun set until it is between the two horns of Shaitan because the Prophet also 
You prohibited us from praying at certain times when the sun is rising and when the sun sets because the sun rises and sets between the horns of shaitan as the hadith mentions. So the prophet said this person waits up until the sun is setting up until it is between the two horns of shaitan. He then stands and picks four raka'at and he does not remember Allah Azawajal except a little. So this, even though it is for the munafiq, it can also apply to the Muslim. Meaning those who delay their prayer up until the last part of the waqt or up until the waqt completely exits. فَوَيْلُ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ the third person that enters into Fawailu Lil Musalin is the one who does not pray salah with the proper conditions of salah. Type precondition of salah, Tahara, Satrul Aura, facing the Qibla, intention. The person does not meet the conditions of salah, precondition of salah. Nor does he pray salah with the proper arkan. Allah Musta'an. You can't recite the Fatiha properly. Of course, if you're a new Muslim, you have an excuse. But you're Muslim for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And you can't recite the Fatiha correctly. You have omitted a rukun of a salah. And if you omit a rukun of salah, your salah is not accepted. For example, ruku and sujood. There is no tuma'nina in it. There is no tranquility in the positions. Then this also applies to fawailu lil musallin. So we mentioned that fawailu lil musallin it refers to three categories of people: the munafiq, the one who delays the prayer outside of his prescribed times, and those who do not pray with the proper shurud conditions, arkan, and they have no khushu in their salah. This is for them fawailu lil musallin. So, what can we benefit and derive from these verses? Firstly. The emphasis on feeding orphans and the poor and encouraging others to do so as well. And the month of Ramadan is coming up now. And mashallah, we are a very generous community in South Africa and specifically Cape Town. And many people will be eager to feed the poor in the month of Ramadan. Firstly, we have to check our intentions and feed the people for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jalla. نُتِعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا We only feed the people for the pleasure of Allah Azza wa Jal. We do not want any reward from them or any gratitude. So in order to protect ourselves from falling into riya, we give this reminder to ourselves firstly and to everyone else that protect the people's honor. That when we feed them and we give them suhoor packs and we give them iftar packs, we don't need to take pictures of these people and show them and their level of poverty. Yes, sometimes it's a need people want to see. Take the picture, send it to that specific people. But there's no need to post this on social media. Because in this, we are jeopardizing our intention and our rewards. And secondly, we are belittling these people. We only feed you for the pleasure of Allah Azza wa So the emphasis on feeding orphans and the poor and encouraging others to do so. Number two, belief in recompense and accountability is affirmed. And if you believe in accountability, you are conscious of your actions. You are conscious of your statements. You are conscious about your connection with your Creator. And you are conscious about your interactions with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, being cautious about the prayer. Fawailu lil musallin. We don't want to pray the salah of the munafiqeen. We want to pray the salah in its correct time and being sincere while praying as well as when performing all other deeds. Number four, we are encouraged to do good deeds to help others in large and small matters because the part where Allah says, means they don't even give little things which people require and this is a form of stinginess and this is not the trait of a believer but a person maybe you come to a person you need a loan doesn't want to give you a loan but then you come to him for something 
much more trivial and smaller and he won't even give you that this is the ma'un the one who withholds so even if it is by lending for instance a pot or a book this is because Allah strongly reproached those who do not do small acts of kindness and finally we must be careful and avoid adopting any of the characteristics of the hypocrites because Allah says فَوَيْلُ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ that whosoever gathers between all three of these yani characteristics they pray only to be seen by the people and they have no khushu and proper etiquette with salah and they pray outside of the fixed times then this is a pure munafiq and we're not giving the license to apply this to anyone but this will be a pure munafiq and whoever is deficient with regard to these three characteristics then according to his deficiency he enters into some form of nifaq and Allah Azawajal is the one who knows what is internal so this is the explanation of three short suwar and we actually intended to get much further but nonetheless and we said the goal behind this is firstly to learn the correct recitation of the suwar secondly to understand the meanings which is contained in these verses thirdly to contemplate its meanings and to put it into practice we also Allah Azawajal facilitates for us beneficial knowledge and righteous actions and he grants us sincerity for you sake subhanahu wa ta'ala نكتفي بهذا سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته